And again, this morning's message is courage for the fire. And the wording is deliberate. It's not courage in the fire. It's not courage under fire. It's courage for the fire. And you may not be in a fire right now. You may not be having any difficulties. But if you remain faithful to Christ, if you stand for Christ, fires are coming. That's a promise. So courage for the fire is if you refuse to bow down to the idols that this world is offering us, fire's coming. And so what is courage? Um, the quote that I'm going to use right now, it's kind of a paraphrase. Um, during World War II, there was a soldier named John Bazalone, and he was a, in the fight on Guadalcanal, and ended up earning the Medal of Honor for his actions on Guadalcanal that day in 42. And the quote that he gave is somebody asked him, weren't you afraid? Did you have no fear? You must have had no fear that day. And he said, courage is not the lack of fear. It's the ability to act in spite of your fear. And so here's a Medal of Honor recipient saying, I was afraid. You know, when I faced down and I took that machine gun and, you know, took on the Japanese single-handedly, is I was fearful, but I was able to act in spite of my fear. It's courage. And the dictionary definition of courage is, it's the choice to confront fear, agony, pain, danger, uncertainty, or intimidation. So courage is more than just not being afraid of anything. It's choosing to act in spite of your fears. And so courage for the fire. What is the fires that we need to have the courage for? And fires that we will encounter are trials and persecutions. If everybody has their Bible, turn to 1 Peter. Go all the way to your right in your Bible and then come back left a little ways. 1 Peter chapter 4. In verse 12, and Peter speaking to him says, Beloved, don't think it's a strange thing concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. And so what Peter's telling the believers here is expect fiery trials. Don't be surprised when they come. They're coming. And it's not a strange thing because if you stand with Christ, you're going to be tested. You're going to be tried. And if you read on in verse 13, it actually it says rejoice. Rejoice in your fiery trial. Because as we take part in the fiery trials that are coming, we're partaking in Christ's sufferings. We're doing exactly what Christ did. We're being persecuted. We're being tried by the fire. And it says to rejoice in that. That because we're standing with Christ, rejoice in those things. Now turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse 20. And here John says, Remember the words that I said to you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. 
So Jesus is saying, because they persecuted him, and he had no sin in himself, but if we follow after Christ, he says we should expect the same things that he encountered, that as they persecuted him, we also will be persecuted. In verse 21, it says, All these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. And so a few weeks ago, we talked about friendly fire, and the persecutions and the trials that we all encounter should not come from our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. What Jesus is talking about here is the persecutions and the trials that we're going to encounter are going to come from the world because they don't understand who the Father is, because they don't understand why we're refusing to bow down to their idols. So the world will persecute you because they first persecuted Christ. And Jesus said, if you follow me, the world will persecute you. And again, fiery trials are coming. And in James chapter 1, it also says, consider it all joy. So we're told to rejoice. We're to consider it all joy when various trials come because the testing of your faith produces endurance. So trials strengthen your faith. So every one of you that's sitting here today, whatever your level of faith is, is if you never faced a trial, your faith is never going to increase. And so when trials and persecutions come, it raises up our level of faith. It makes our faith stronger because if you look at the history, if you look at the things that our country, this world's going through, if you don't think your faith is going to get tested in the future, open up your eyes, open up your ears. Because if we continue to stand firm in Christ, this world's going to get pretty annoyed at us. They're not going to like the stand that we're taking. So we have to be anchored firmly in Christ. And from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, be strong and courageous. So even in the Old Testament, God's telling them to be strong and courageous. And it goes on to say, do not be afraid or terrified because of them. And in that context, God was talking to them through Moses, and he said, don't be afraid of them. And he was referring to all the heathen nations that were surrounding them, that were all around them. He said, don't be afraid of them. Okay? What I want you to take from this verse this morning is, don't be afraid of them. And who is them? Each one of you has a different them. Who's out there looking to persecute you because you stand for Christ? So in that blank, don't, don't write them. Write whatever persecutions or trials that you may have coming. Whatever stand you're making, that's your them. And the word says to be strong and courageous and do not be afraid of them. So whatever your them is, fill that in the blank. And then back to the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. It says to be on your guard, and I'm going to add a little paraphrasing here, be on your guard, be sober and vigilant, stand firm in your faith, anchored strongly into Christ. That's how you stand firmly is because you're anchored into Christ. Be courageous, be strong, and do everything in love. And why can we be courageous? You know, as we're sitting here this morning, why can we be courageous? That's because in Christ, we have God with us. We have the Holy Spirit with us. We have the courage because of who he is and what he's done in us. 
It's not something that we can do on ourselves. It's because God will never leave us or forsake us. He is always walking with us, and we just need to remember that, remind ourselves of that. So what does courage look like? I mean, every single one of you could give a story of courage that you've heard, or even in your own life, things that you've stood up against. But courage has many different forms. It has many different stories. Um, last week was September 11, 9-11. We heard all kinds of stories of courage that came out of that. Um, one of them that I just recently saw was of the young policeman that went back into the World Trade Center five times to rescue one more person. And the fifth time that he went back in is unfortunately when the t one tower collapsed and he was killed, left behind a wife and a couple children. But he had courage to do something that needed to be done, even though the danger was extremely high. This is a rough one, but I want to hear it. I want you to hear it. Is a child that has been stolen, taken away from their family, and is raped every day, after day, after day, because of the evil that's in men's heart. A child that survives that has a courage that we can't understand. They're waiting for somebody to come rescue them. They're looking, they have hope that somebody will rescue them out of that. There's a courage there that hopefully none of us will ever have to face. And that's part of the reason that the dinner that my wife puts on is because there's an evil in this world that we need to stand up against. And so a simple thing of buying a ticket and going to a dessert auction and having a little fun is actually gonna save people's lives by us coming together and having a good night, some good food, and giving some of our money to a cause that's beyond what we can fathom. So courage has a lot of different looks to it. Um, Harriet Tubman, everybody know that name? Okay, Harriet Tubman was a very famous figure from the mid-1800s. Um, she escaped slavery from the eastern shore of Maryland. She was a young lady at that time, approximately 27 years old, and escaped on her own, just got out of the area that she was in, made it to freedom in the north, into Pennsylvania. But she didn't stop there. She didn't enjoy her freedom for very long. She had courage, and there's different accounts, but by her own words, she returned back into hell, if you will, 13 times. She went back to where she had been in bondage, where she had been a slave, 13 different times, and they estimate that she brought out 70 people to freedom. Just think about that for a minute. You've been in slavery your entire life. You've ra been raised as a slave. You don't know what freedom is like, but you have something in your heart that says, I got to get out of here. And she walked and ran her way to freedom, but she wasn't satisfied with that. She said, I've got to do something for my family, for the people that I love. And so she turned around, literally, she was in freedom. She didn't have to go back. And she turned around and went right back into Maryland to the very place she escaped from and rescued more people out of that. Thirteen times she made that choice to turn away from freedom and go back into hell and bring people out. 
Now to the, the meat of my story. Daniel chapter 3. And this gives everybody a little heads up, but has anybody heard the names Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael? Okay. Most people look at me blankly. If I hadn't already told you Daniel chapter 3, most people know him as Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. That's their given names when they were taken into captivity. But these three young men, including Daniel, four of them, is their homeland had been conquered. They were taken to a foreign land as boys, but they held on to the faith that had been instilled in them by their parents, by their community. And they had the courage to refuse to eat food that was offered to idols. Daniel and the three other Hebrew children said, let's do something different here. They challenged their keepers and said, let us eat food that's not offered to idols and see if we're still healthy or not. And so they, their courage started long before the fiery furnace story came about. They held on to their faith and they had the courage to refuse the food offered idols. And then they also refused to bow down to the idols themselves. And so if you read, and I'm not going to read all of Daniel chapter 3 to you. You guys, that's your homework for later. Read all of Daniel chapter 3. And as the story goes, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, the conqueror, called all of the people, all of the officials together and said, here's this 90-foot image, this idol, and you're to bow down and worship this thing when the music plays. They had a whole band that would play, and when the music played, everybody was supposed to bow down and worship this idol. Okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we're not doing it. They refused to bow down, and so if you're standing and everybody else is bowed down, you kind of stick out a little bit. And so some of the officials went and told on them, went to Nebuchadnezzar and said, there's some people that aren't doing what you've told them to do. They're refusing to bow down to your idol, O king. And so they were brought before Nebuchadnezzar. And the way the wording is, it's almost like he was surprised that they refused to do this. And so he gave them another option or another opportunity. He said, he recited the entire thing that this image has been built, the music's going to play, are you going to bow down and worship this thing? And they had the courage to say, absolutely not. That we will not bow down to this thing, even though they knew the penalty. The penalty was recited to them, is if you do not bow down before this idol, you're going in the fiery furnace. And they still refused to do it. Um, on the handout, the next por portion you have, it says three plus courage equals four. And so even knowing the penalty, they still stood there before Nebuchadnezzar and said, we're not going to bow down to this thing. Our God can deliver us from you. It can, he can deliver us from the fiery furnace. But even if he doesn't, we will not bow down and worship your idol. We will not worship you. And so the end of the story is they were bound. The strongest men in the army, it says, came and bound them and took them to the furnace that had been heated seven times hotter than they normally would have to heat it. He wanted to really kill them, I guess. You know, the normal fiery furnace wasn't enough. He had to do it seven times greater. And so they're taken to the furnace, and it actually kills their guards. It says that the heat was so intense 
that as they got to the point where they were able to push them in, throw them in, the heat of the fire killed their guards. And yet they went into the fire. They went down into the furnace, it says. And so the three of them had the courage. And as you read the story, Nebuchadnezzar even recognized, we only threw three into the fire. Why do I see four? And as Nebuchadnezzar said, he recognized a fourth person that looks like the form of the Son of God. So no matter what your trial is, what your persecution is, whatever fiery furnace you're in, Christ is there with you. He doesn't allow you to go through these things on your own. He's building your faith. And I mean, Talk about building your faith. Being in the middle of a fiery furnace that should be cremating you, and there's Christ walking with them, standing with them in a form that the heathen could recognize, that there's somebody else in there, and he's not normal. So four C's of courage. The four, first C of courage is character. And character is a moral foundation of your life. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. You hear a lot about character. Um, everybody has character. Every single one of us, every person in this world has character. The question is, is it godly character, or is it the world's character? We want to take on the character of Christ. We want to take on the mind of Christ. And so character in this case, it's a moral foundation of your life. And as all of you that are here as parents that still have young children, us as grandparents, we all have the opportunity to instill in the children good, godly character. But that requires time. That requires effort. We have to take the time to build a good moral character into the children. And that's what you saw with Daniel and Azariah, Hananiah, and Mishael is that they were raised in the Hebrew tradition. They were raised with moral character instilled in their life so that even when they were taken from their homeland and put in this foreign land and asked to serve a pagan king, their moral foundation, their character remained true, and they refused, even at the sentence of death, to change their character to save their lives. So the first C is character. Um, anybody in here ever read John F. Kennedy's book, Profiles of Courage? Okay, only a few of you. Um, it was written in the 50s before he was president, but the foreword of that book is written by Alan Nevins, and he had a quote in there that really kind of hit me, and it's obviously fit with the message today. Um, in that he says, no man without character is consistently courage courageous. So no man without character is consistently courageous. Just as no man of real character is lacking in consistent courage. So if you have character, if you've got godly character already built into your life, courage is going to be part of what people see in you. And again, how the courage looks in each one of you, it's going to be different. But the courage is going to be there. The second C of courage is conviction. It's facing what causes other to flee. 
And Harriet Tubman, she had found freedom, but she still had the conviction in her heart that turned her around from freedom to go back into slavery, to challenge the forces that were in power to bring those that she loved back out of it. And Romans 8.28 says, we've been created and called for his purpose. So we need to have the conviction that we were, every single one of you, that if you know Christ, you were created for his purpose. You were called to do the will of God. And in Harriet's case, her conviction, her calling was to rescue others. And I mean, if you read accounts of Harriet, there's massive exaggerations that one of the things I was reading, it said that she went back in over, you know, a hundred times and she rescued 300 people. And I mean, that's great. But the fact that she even went back to me is the part of the story. That she went back in time after time, risking her own life, risking her own freedom because she felt others were worth her life. Um, one thing I even read is that they, they actually show a, a handbill that was posted around the eastern shore of Maryland that there was a hundred dollar bounty put on her head that if she was captured and returned that they would get paid a hundred dollars. Um, somebody from the 1860s trying to embellish the story or make it even bigger said they offered like a forty thousand dollar reward which would be literally millions of dollars back in the 1860s. So it's a good story, it doesn't need to be embellished is my point. Alright, the third C of courage is compassion. And it's valuing others equally or more than yourself. In John fifteen thirteen, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And again, speaking of Jesus, though his love for us had no bounds, that he was willing to give up the fellowship, the perfect harmony with the Father and the Holy Spirit, and said, you are worth it. That every single one of us sitting here, every Christian, every person even, that is not a Christian, he said, you are worth my life being placed on the cross. And so he had a compassion for us and for the world that he said, here's my life, I'm laying it down for you. So we have to have a compassion for those that are lost, for the loved ones that we have in our lives, and that what we think we want to do may not always be what God wants us to do. We have to hear and listen to what he is saying to us. We have to have a compassion like Christ did, that our life is not ours, and ours anymore. So you've got character, you've got conviction, and you have compassion. The fourth C of courage is choice or choosing. And again, back to John Bazalone's quote, it's taking action irregardless of the fear. And so choosing is taking action based on your character, your conviction, and your compassion. And in Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, um, the three he Hebrews answered the king and said, Our God, whom we choose to serve, is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand. But if he doesn't, we still choose to not serve your gods or worship your idol. So every step of the way, they made a choice that we're going to continue to serve the God of our fathers, Yahweh, and we're going to refuse to worship the world's idols. We're not going to bow down to anything or anyone other than the Father who is in heaven. 
In Joshua chapter 24, verse 15, one of my favorite verses that we need to think about every single day, Joshua challenges the people. They've heard the blessings and the cursings. And Joshua said, as for me and my house, today we choose to serve the God of our fathers and not ourself and not the world's idols. So every single day, choose whom you will serve. Who will you bow your knee to today? Will you bow down only to the Father in heaven, or will you bow down to the world's ways, the idols that the world presents to us? One last scripture I want to end with is 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 5 and verse 11. And here it says in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, it says, encourage one another and build each other up. And so that's one of the values, one of the reasons that we're told to gather together, to not forsake the gathering together, is because when we come together, we can encourage each other. And if you look up anything with N, it means to cause something. So to encourage one another means that we cause each other to have courage. And so when you come together and you hear other stories, you hear testimonies from each other, those things can encourage you to stand firm in your faith. So when we come together, it's to cause each other to have courage so that we know that there's things that maybe we can't stand on our own, but we can stand because of the faith that we have united in the Holy Spirit in Christ. And even Paul when he was being taken to Rome for his, you know, judgment for his trial, is the other believers heard he was coming. And one of the places that they stopped, the believers all gathered there, and it says in the book of Acts, is that when they saw, when he, when Paul saw those gathered together, he was encouraged for the rest of the trip. Is it so when he saw the other believers coming together just to see him, to welcome him, to pour love out on him, it says it encouraged him. It gave him courage to continue with the journey that he was on. And so when we come together, that's part of what we do, is we help encourage each other. We bring courage to those maybe that are having a weak time, struggling with whatever the fiery trials that are coming into their life. And that's the, the word that we need to keep in mind, is that as you stand firm in Christ, the world is going to try and knock you down. It's going to bring trials. It's going to bring persecutions. It's going to ridicule you because you're doing something that's contrary to what the world wants you to do or what the world expects you to do. It's by faith that we stand. It's by faith in Christ and the work that he's doing in us that we can carry out each day. And again, we have it good in this country. Those of us that live here in the United States, we have it good. Just look at the news for a little while. Look at the things that are going on in other countries. You know, obviously Afghanistan is a huge example right now. Is did the believers in Afghanistan give up Christ? Some may have, some may have been in fear for their lives, but there we have stories that many were martyred, that we continue, they continued to have church, they continued to read their Bibles, and they were executed for it. They refused to bow the knee to the world. So take comfort in that. Our country is nothing close to that. 
but God put us here for a reason. So let's not just be complacent with it. Let's take what he's given us, the freedoms that he's given us as citizens of this country, and let's do something with it. Let's stand for others. Let's encourage others. Let's take the freedoms we have and live out a life that's pleasing to God. So encourage each other. Have courage for the fiery trials that are coming. Before we end today, um, everybody that's getting baptized today, I'd like you to come up front here and, you know, not right at this very moment, but come up front and I want to talk with you for a few minutes. So anybody getting baptized today, come forwards. Um, we are going to Kinzu Beach once we get all this stuff put away and cleaned up. So approximately 12.30, 1 o'clock is when we hope to start the baptisms. Um, anybody that wants to come and encourage and celebrate with those that are getting baptized, please come along, grab a picnic, lunch somewhere, and come up and just have some fellowship time. So let's stand. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the fog. We thank you for the sunshine breaking through right now and the warmth that it's going to bring to us. We thank you that your word is true and that in your word, Lord, we find encouragement. We find strength. We thank you for the strength to overcome the, the trials and the tribulations that will be coming into our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you walk through the things with us, that you walk right through the fire with us so that not even the clothes on our back are singed or burnt and not even the smell of smoke stays with us because you surround and protect us. And, Lord, we thank you for all that are getting baptized today as they proclaim the love and the work that you're doing in their lives, and that your word is true and faithful, and that in it we have hope, we have a purpose, and Lord, that you will just continue to guide us as we walk this thing out. We give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. I know a place where we can go to lay your burdens down in your soul. I know a place where mercy flows. Take the sting, make you whiter than snow. Like a tide is rising up It's like a burning red wolves And makes it come alive Leading water that brings it to life Oh, 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 oh
reminder, if you are getting baptized, come up front for a quick meeting. If you want to support those getting baptized, we're going to be at Kinzu Beach. <laughs>